Father, I thank you so much for my sister. Always willing to jump in, Lord. I pray that you just take what's done here today to just bring more to yourself. If there's one here today, whether you're here, listening, or listening later, that does not know you, I pray that today is the day that salvation comes. And Lord, I just lift her up as she goes today to minister to brothers and sisters and folks all around. Lord, the great news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Angel. Oh, I really appreciate Buddy giving me the opportunity to speak. Y'all know that I, I really enjoy doing this. But as I pray about what it is I'm supposed to speak, when the Lord starts saying, hey, you need to use football as an analogy, I am ill equipped. I understand it. I appreciate it. I do not have a team in the hunt. What I've learned from the team that I root for, which is the Red Chins, is that I'm loyal. So I've grown accustomed to, to being on that one yard line and being excited, but, but temperancing that, knowing that all things are possible and the other yard line is somehow closer. So my dad says, don't cheer yet. So, so, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Charlie Daniels, I guess, you remember there was that ad campaign, and he'd always say, are you ready? Are you ready for some football? Well, today is football day. And I thought, as the Lord was telling me, hey, you need to use football as your, your sermon analogy, because this is a day when the most people watch TV and do all sorts of stuff. Hey, can I have the, the beautiful bean footage controller? All right. So, Super Bowl Sunday. Today, in case you didn't know, a little trivia. Uh, last year, you may remember, it was 50, right? Super Bowl 50 had 5-0 in the bracket. Well, they decided that 5-1 looked silly, so we've gone back to Roman numerals this year. We're L-I. Okay, I don't know if we'll go back to numbers until it. we had 100, but, but we're at L-I in case you're wondering what the world that is. All right? Now, things that I know you're going to find critically important to your life. More than 100 million people are going to be in the Super Bowl today. That's around the world. Uh, last year, the retail spending, and that's not including uh, beverages and things, was a little over $15 billion for this one day that lasts about four and a half hours. Okay? All right? The stadium seats 72,000 people. So when you watch it today, it's packed 72,000 in that stadium. On Monday, the average resale price of that ticket was $6,000, and that was behind the pole. All right? So I'll be watching it from the living room. And the average ticket price early on was about $4,300. The most expensive ticket sold in the game today, $74,928. I, I have no idea where that seat could be. Anyway, uh, this year, the, the cost of a 30-second spot, which for me, I enjoy the commercial best. Well, everybody else is cheering on all that other stuff. I'm waiting for the commercials to see what the puppy dog is going to do or the horse is going to do all that stuff, right? But this year, the cost of an average 30-second spot is more than $5 million for 30 seconds. So that means that your average commercial break is three to four commercials uh, a minute or 30 seconds. Your $30 million is going to be your average for that commercial break. Um, that's more than double what it was about 10 years ago. That's because we're everybody more and more people are watching. More and more people are watching. And uh, that doesn't include the cost of creating a commercial. That's just the cost of you looking at $5 million for 30 seconds. That's pretty good money for somebody. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, for the rest of us. The rest of us today is about food, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We will consume, as a nation, 12.5 million pizzas. We'll be eating today. All right? Uh, one, this is hilarious, 1.33 billion chicken wings. We are wiping out the poultry industry. <laughs> 150 pounds of nacho cheese. I don't even want to count on that. Right? 200 million pounds of avocados. 
And then thanks to Scott Tissue on Good Morning America the other day, I discovered that 90 million people will use the restroom at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which, if you saw that earlier statistic, of 30 seconds a spot, and most people want the halftime show spot, 90 million of your viewers are not going to see it because nobody's in lines. <laughs> All right, so let me know that. This is some, some common sense. But who won last year? Do you remember? Remember. Somebody did, right? No. Most of you know who won last year? Now you question yourself because I agree with you, right? Yes, you need affirmation. I didn't know I had to look. All right, who won 10 years ago? 
So I struggle with that message. But I also know there's that other part that says, you know, this is talking about that he will come. Well, will it be just for me? That moment we all reach where, you know, that last breath moment where we have a personal encounter. Well, we none of us know when that is. So it's talking about that preparation. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready all the time. Alright. Do you have a game plan? We're going football analogy, boys. You better be ready. We're going to get on that summit because I'm looking around the room and I'm playing football. I know y'all know, okay? I'm doing pretty good. But what I'm seeing a lot of X's and O's, and they need to know where to go, okay? Right? <laughs> a strategy. Having something worked out in advance. It's not spontaneous. It's not a spontaneous decision. It's not a spontaneous strategy. It's something you've thought about so that when you need it to be spontaneous, it becomes a natural response. It's like, you know, Buddy and I were talking to David talking about when he was really in the ride, somebody could just flinch and he. He was ready to go because he was practicing and polished. He was ready to move. This is talking about that, that game plan. Do you have a game plan? Do you know the what ifs? I work the what ifs all the time. If this happens at work, what will I do with that? If this happens at school, what will I do with this? You guys work the what if statements. If then, I guess is what they are. If this happens, then I'll do that. If this happens, then I should do that. We have to have Jesus factored right in the middle of that because those if-then statements can drive you to a level of anxiety that's incredible. If you don't have some a plan, you don't know what the strategy is. I studied, uh, started to look on the internet about the, the NFL and their playbooks. The average playbook has a thousand plays in it. There's one team that has three thousand, but then right underneath it was all this social media. They said, "Yeah, but we only use two. <laughs> And so then I started looking at, wow, a thousand plays, that's a lot of stuff. And then they narrowed that thousand plays down and said average to about 300 per game for the if-then. If this happens, then I'll do that. If this happens, then I'll do that. If he's injured, then I'll do this. If they come, I'll do Holy Toledo, the if-thens were incredible. And then I found out that there are all these study groups where the NFL players will get together to study the playbook. They want to know the play. They have intense motivation to know it because if you don't know it, you can lose your job. But if you don't know it, then you ever watch uh, uh, Madden when he's doing his plays and he circles somebody in the in the, the bright sharpie? They show the play a replay and they, I don't know what this guy was doing, but he must have read the play wrong. I mean, you get pointed right out. But they memorize and they study those three hundred plans so that they know when they call it, they have a clue of what their position is supposed to do. And then the quarterback, he's got the cheat sheet. You ever see that thing on his arm? He's, uh, he's hearing all, you know, T11 or whatever. Oh, yeah, that means I, okay. <laughs> so he's studying the book, but he knows that he better know what's going on. If there's an audible, if something's called, he's not quite familiar, he's going to have a cheat sheet. I'm going to affirm today that, that we got a game plan. And the Lord says, well, I know the plans I have for you. The plan is to prosper you and not harm you. The plan to give you hope and a future. That's your plan. It's in your playbook. Do you know your plan? Y'all get quiet. Should I talk about being there some more? Y'all alright? <laughs> <laughs> but you need to know the plan. You need to study the playbook in order to know the plan. You want you to get things correct. If this happens, then I need to do this. All of it's in the book. So where is your position? <laughs> to me, these are a lot of X's and O's. 
But apparently, those who know football know that that owes the quarterback and that owes the center and that's the receiver. Everybody's kind of got their position. And it's funny when I talk to kids and I say, you know, what's your position? Everybody wants you to be a quarterback, but you want to be a receiver. Because that's action spots, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's a running game, at which point you got nothing to do. But it's <laughs> the quarterback, because he's got the ball. He wants the ball. He's going to throw the ball. He's always getting involved in the play. He's going to stand around. He's got stuff to do. Then you got the receiver. Oh, yeah, throw it to you. Bring it on, bring it on. And I think in our lives, we change positions. The seasons of our lives change positions. When we're feeling good, large and in charge, we don't mind saying, I'm all ready to be quarterback. I got this. It's kind of like when my folks call and they need something. All right, hand me the ball. I got it. Let's go. Right? And then there's those other times when you're like, let me help. Let me help. Throw it to me. Let me help. Where you want to be, let me, let me help you. Ask me. Throw it to me. Give me an opportunity. Want to be the receiver. But I'm going to tell you, most of, I feel like most of my life, maybe it's just a, a weird analogy, but I feel like I'm in the center. I got the ball. I see somebody coming at me who has a nickname like refrigerator. And so the opponent is huge, right? You're about to hike the ball. You're trying to listen and know what to do. You certainly don't want to miss it because they're going to clobber you. And then I have to hand it off. I have to say, okay, Jesus, look. Look, you, you got to be the quarterback because I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to ask for help. I don't know who to send it to. There's a lot of I don't know. My ends have overwhelmed a bit. But here, hop up. Here you go. You take it. Cause, and then I'm going to dig myself in and try to block the barrage of all the things that come at you. From the well-intended, from the, the criticized, condemned, complained component, from the people who want to tell you what to do that you know this isn't right. And then your own self-doubt that tries to talk you out of the plan you know. So half the time we're taking in and we're waiting for the quarterback to say, okay, here you go. Either way, your, your goal is to advance forward. Advance. Like, I don't know football, so I might get close. Am I hitting the analogy? Are we doing all right? These guys, again, I don't have a team in the hunt, so I'm not cheering for either one. But something that occurred to me as I was going through the, the pictures and the, the press packets that are coming out for the thing, I see these. These pictures of these guys running out the tunnel. And we've got some folks here who've experienced that. But what I see when I see them running out the tunnel isn't, oh, I hope the adversary, or maybe they didn't show up. Everybody owns. Maybe the exes didn't show up. Maybe they got intimidated. I hope they forfeit. Man, I'm not prepared. I forgot my helmet. I don't know. But what I see is there's a confidence that says, I have come to oppose that which is trying to prevent me from moving forward. I have read the plan. It's etched in my heart and mind. I'm coming, I'm stepping on the field prepared, and I'm ready to move forward. I have not approached the field with the method of defeat, but with the attitude of gratitude for the opportunity to be victorious. That's the way we have to approach it every day. You say, what's football got to do with me? When we step into the game of life, the minute our eyes open every morning and your feet hit the floor, welcome to the battlefield. Welcome to the game of life where the X's and O's collide all day. We have to approach life a bit differently. We've got to take the game plan. We've got to know the book, even if it's one little word. You know what? They remember 300 plays on average per game. The plays change. But they'll have 300 in their pocket ready to go. Average Christian knows 20 scriptures. 20. By heart. I remember I, I was in, uh, I keep bringing up Africa because that was a really 
interesting journey. I'll tell you about that someday. But nonetheless, the last time I was there, I had a pen in my Bible and the pen broke. And it went all over the place. There were Bible all over the place. And then it drove me crazy that I didn't know it was on those pages. I realized, wait a minute, I think I. And I had to go look because it bothered me that I couldn't see it. But not only does it have this available to us every day, very clear, nobody shoots at you, nobody prevents you, nothing other than you just open But if it's going to prepare you for this, where you can victoriously enter your day, where no matter what acts is coming at you, the O knows what to do. The no O is how to control this or think that. It'll change the way you approach the game. When you're in the tunnel, I was at Clemson filming, and the reason I pulled over here is he played at Clemson. I was at Clemson filming, and they're all, they don't really have a tunnel as much as y'all run over the top, and they touch the rock, and then they come down. And then when they run down into that, into the bowl, and what, the, what do they call that stadium? Death Valley. And I remember when I got down in there, there was no air. There was, there was no breeze, right? But I'm standing, and they're coming this way, and I'm filming, and all I can think of is I see people the size of cocoa machines in my direction. Do not kill me. That's all I can think. Because they can tell they're excited, they're pumped up, they're gonna win. <laughs> but there wasn't anybody. Oh, I hope so. Begin <laughs> today. Nope. Ready to go. The foe was huge. The game was big. It was sold out. The crowd was hollering. The noise was so intense that our cameras that were on the stadium, we had to put a stabilizer in those, you know, the footage would come down into the truck where you see it. We had to put a stabilizer between the camera and the truck because the camera was going like this from the noise in the crowd. The loudest stadium I've ever been in, including all the NFL ones I've ever been to, or they close it. When they cheer, you know it. But I didn't see one person coming out of that, over that thing, rubbing that rock, going down to that hill, ready for battle. That was like, <laughs> But I have to tell you, I'm like, listen, there's some money around. Possibly Tuesday. Off the Wednesday. It's all right. But yeah. <laughs> phrase, do not be afraid, is written in the Bible 365 times. That's a daily reminder from God to live every day being fearless. Run through your tunnel of mourning and get into your day and be excited about no matter what the X is bringing your way, you've got a plan. And God says, do not be afraid. I got you. I got you back. I don't care what's going on at work. I don't care what's going on at home. I don't care what's going on with health. God loves you. You get what I'm saying when I don't care. It's not that he doesn't care, but I'm just saying. The circumstance does not exceed the power of God. Amen. Amen. Scripture says, fear not. It's really funny. You learn in, in broadcasts. It's all in heaven, right? <laughs> right? So you can say, fear not. <laughs> you know that's just not my mojo. Fear not! <laughs> You say it with authority. You say it like you mean it. It's out of the book. It's a quote. Fear not, period. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'll uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. 
that irony or is that necessity that we need one for every single day? Mm-hmm. Mockery are not no exchange. They are not the same every day. Phone rings in the middle of the night. They're not. Because we all know that that's usually not something good. It's not something going, hey, how you doing? <laughs> And if it is, they need to fear not. <laughs> so when they're in that tunnel, and they get ready to go, there's something else that occurred to me. They got, they're ready. You got your shoulder pads on, you got your dirty on, you got your knickers on, you got your helmet on, you got all your stuff ready to go. They're ready. Scripture tell us anything about being ready? We are ready. This is at the moment when you go, man, I wish I'd done more jumping jacks. Should have done 12 more sit-ups. Maybe I should have changed my shoestrings. How about say? Those are things that perhaps should have been dealt with earlier because now you're ready. You're ready. That process of getting ready didn't start the day before this picture. Did not. And I think that's for us. What we have to remember is the process of getting ready is every day. Every day we are preparing for a different, better being ready moment. Every trial you have been through is preparing you for that ready moment for someone else. Every trial you go through, everything you've been through in your life so far is preparing you for your reaction to it. And I say prepare. I had a coach in college and he would always fuss at us and he'd say, um, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And we'd all be like, what? And he goes, you know what I mean? And we're all, <laughs> One more? I don't know. What do you want? No, he said, look, if you're practicing it wrong every day, then when you get in a clinch situation, you're going to do it wrong. So practice does not make perfect if the way in which you're practicing is wrong. And the veins are usually sticking out of the neck at this point. But the point of that is, if you're trying to rely on how you handle things today to help you prepare for what's coming in the future, and you are not practicing today in the right way, you are not spending any time with this, you're not talking to God even on your commute, you're not spending one minute to pray, you're not spending one minute to read, and then you expect a call on the depth of what you know when you hit it, you are not prepared. Read it when you don't need it, so when you get there, you got it. Because I'll tell you, you never know when the call's coming. You never know when the need's there. You never know when you will be asked to do something that's out of your comfort zone. And buddy, you better have your armor ready to go. And sometimes it takes a minute. It's almost like you go, wait, my helmet's in the truck. Let me get <laughs> But nonetheless, you're ready. Lou Holtz. I don't know if you guys know who he is or not. I used to, I like Notre Dame football. I was filming something one time and I got to go to the stadium and the stadium was empty, but it was beautiful. But what struck me was that when you looked at the end zone at the field goal, the building right behind the end zone was a really tall building and they had Jesus painted on it, something like this. So everybody called it Touchdown Jesus. Because if you look through the uprights, it looked like he was going, boom! <laughs> but Lou Holtz, he used to always say, he was, I don't know if you know who it is, but it's a real small man that gives glasses to talk kind of like this. But he'd always say, ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you will do. Attitude determines how well you'll do it. I'll show you that again, because there's one more I'm going to add to it. 
Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do, but your attitude determines how well you do it. And then I want to say for us as believers, there's one more. Authority. Knowing who gives you the ability that you have. The motivation in your heart. The attitude to be courageous. The authority to do things. Who told you all things are possible. Not because you said so, but because I said so. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put the full armor of God on so that you can make your stand. When I look at football uniforms, I'm thinking that full armor. you got to stand firm. That belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the shoes of peace. Take up that shield of faith, your helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You're ready to go. Are you ready? Do you have your helmet on today? That helmet of salvation. That thing is funny that it's a helmet because it's for your mind is what gets you most often. You talk yourself into defeat and out of the victory that God has intended to you. Do you have your armor on? Do you know you play book? Are you ready? So that no matter what the if then, God's got your back. And your front. Both sides. What if the shoes of peace are like cleats? What if you have to dig in? There are people who don't want to do this. We used to do that softball all the time. You get ready to run, you dig that back one in because you might push it off and go. You're not digging in because you want to go backwards. You're digging in because you want to go. <laughs> you want to move forward. You want to propel yourself in that direction. Well, when the adversary is coming at you, when I look at these football guys and they get on the line and they're digging themselves in, they're determined. I'm not going back and going forward. You're going backwards. What if that's what peace is really like? When you want to have that peace that surpasses understanding, it isn't something that is just rocked on you and you don't you. But it's something you have to fight for. No, I will not believe the lies that I am thinking and hearing. I will not believe the testimony of people around me telling me discouraging things. I will not believe the criticized, condemned, complained components of everyone else. But I will believe what my playbook says, which is all things are possible. My Bible says, call on me, I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. Okay, bring it on, show me. Not, well, you know, I don't know, Angela, you don't know much about football, I'm not sure you can do this. I could talk myself out of this about a hundred times this week. Buddy knows, I normally don't even talk about what I'm going to talk about, because it will change on Saturday night, so what's the point? <laughs> so, uh, and I said, But we have to suit up. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready. Then you can go and do great things every day. Your attitude changes every day. There's something new coming your way. You're not offended or by it. You're not upended by it. You're ready. Your reactions change. Your motivations change. The way you handle people changes. It all changes when you know the plan. When you know you win, that's the really funny thing about the football analogy is our team enters the field already knowing that we've won. So why do we walk around like we're defeated? They run on the field like they've won. 
for me today when you want somebody to tell that story? Let's take that back to the world. I'm never going to play that again. None of that exists. It is what it is. It's out. It's said. It's done. Now we're into apologizing and threatening Karen and Ryan and all that stuff that comes from that. Life doesn't have a whole lot of referees. If you're looking for life to be, to be oh, just this kind experience, you're looking for everything to be fair, uh, you're living in an alternate reality. Because even the playbook says there is going to be there are going to be opponents. Some of them are going to be enormous. But you got this. I keep thinking of Newt Rockney. You gotta win. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go, team. That's what this says. Gotta go, gotta go. The adversary's gonna be big, but you gotta go. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. Calgary, three days. I was out of there. Only living God. That's me. You're gonna win. Don't wait for somebody to make it fair. Don't wait for, oh, well, I just need them to do the right thing. No, you need to do the right thing. Because you've been waiting a long time. Because you're making some assumptions that we're all reading off the same book. And I'm telling you right now, we're not. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that is so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured on the cross the scorning of its shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father at the throne of God. In the Hebrews, it's telling us there was a plan, there was a purpose. Here's what happened. Here's, here's the, the backstory. There's a plan, there's a purpose. He, he survived that horrible moment knowing that there was joy. We have to survive life knowing there's joy coming. And in surviving, he said, I didn't come just to give you life, but life more abundantly. So that means that in our survival, there are these opportunities to really grow and expand and experience joy and peace that surpasses understanding, to pass that along to someone else, to help someone else, to take what he's telling us and say, look, throw off the things that are holding you back. <coughs> throw off the extra weights that you're carrying around. The unforgiveness you have for yourself, I don't have for you. Throw it off. I don't know if you guys ever saw the, uh, the old movie called The Mission, where the guy had killed a bunch of people, and he, he said how he felt so bad about it that he went to climb up this really tall cliff with his armor hanging off on a rope. And as he reached the top, you see this foot of the, one of the aboriginal people kind of meet his hand. And had, they had a knife in their hand. And he was trying to climb, trying to climb, and he had weight and weight in armor, by the way, was uh, the weight of armor was a little over 300 pounds, was the average suit of armor weight. And so when you talk about armor in the Bible, they're not taking that lightly. That stuff was heavy. And so anyway, as he reached up and tried to pull himself up on the cliff, he was struggling with all that weight, and that aboriginal guy with the knife went like this, and you were expecting the horrible. But he reached over and cut the line and pulled the guy up. That's what God's trying to do for all of us. Cut the line and all that stuff we're dragging around, all that line and all that unforgiveness that we've got. And we, we keep it in our hearts and we say, God, I'm sorry, and he's forgiven us, but we still think about it. Let's cut the line. Let you go. He wants to help you perfect your faith. Not be perfect, but know the perfecter of your faith. You've got to pursue this. There are some 
There is the pursuer and the pursuing. You've got to pursue this. You've got to know where your goal is. You've got to know that God has a call on your life. You've got to be willing to put yourself out there and say, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm heading, and I know things are coming after me, but it doesn't matter, let's go. I win. You've got to pursue it. I'm always cognizant that there are are always something that's trying to hold you back, and you've got to shake it off. There's always something trying to talk you out of it. You need to talk yourself into it. You've got to know, got to have that conversation. When you say to yourself, all right, Lord, I don't, here I am. Here I am. Show me what to do today, and I'll give it all I've got. Here I am. It's really simple. It's really simple. Have you got the, right? I want to show you something that is an old movie. Uh, it's maybe 12 years old, I guess, but it's a lot of story back in 1973. But when I saw this, I, I was reminded again of that pursuit of knowing how to react, how to give yourself that opportunity to make a difference, but remembering that, that the plan has to be etched in your heart. It's not something that's just presented, it's something that has to be etched in your heart and mind. Let's watch this.
opportunity, Lord, just to talk about you. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you begin to build a desire to etch the word of God in your hearts. It becomes something that just is, it flows freely. That God would give us the ability to read and it would just speak to our hearts and, and to our circumstances and to where we are. That God, we would be able to just really know you beyond any experience we've ever had, Father, that we would just draw closer, closer, closer to you, Lord Jesus. So that as the earth ends, as the X's and O's begin to collide, we, we know how to react, what to do, how to hold on. God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here today that says, you know, I don't know where I stand. I'm not sure about the playbook. I'm not even sure about my relationship. Lord, if there's anybody here right now, it just feels that way. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would just touch their hearts. That you would bring them into that closer relationship with you. If you're in that place today and you say, I need to I need to do something. I need to rededicate. I need to reignite. I need to make that first decision. If that's you today, and all you have to do is in your heart say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin, Lord God. Please help me, Lord Jesus. Please come into my life. Make all old things new. Give me hope for my future. Speak to me each day. If you prayed that prayer, if you thought in your heart, if you're feeling it right now, and even in your mind, you say, you know, I need a reset. God is here to reset right now. You need to recalibrate. You need to get your focus changed. God is here to do that right now. If you're sick and you, you feel like, I need water, I need your touch, I need your healing, I need help with my body, God is here to do that right now. He's going to meet you where you are. Whether you're sad or happy, he's going to meet you where you are. And he's going to embrace you. The word says that he binds up the broken heart. That bind is like that warm, hugging touch where he just squeezes on you and says, Look, I care so much. Let me know. Thank you, God, that that's what you're going to do for each one of us today. That all of our needs. All of our worries, all of the things that probably we have anxiety over, all of the things Lord, we should have passed upon you long ago. Thank you, God. Today, we hand it off. And we're grateful, God, that you take good care of us. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. 